Brian brings a tremendous perspective to Jesus Smart the Podcast. I'd say he has an imperative message for the body of Christ. I think one of the best metaphors is that king and queen metaphor. The fundamental or root job of man and woman is to rule, as you said, on God's behalf. J. Richard Middleton talks about being made in the image as having a distinctly royal flavor. So that second in command. I love that. Second in command, Joseph-like role, where there's only one greater than you, right? God. But beneath that, Psalm 8, right? We're not God. We're not God. But we are his vice regent. That's right. We are his image. Hello, friend. Welcome to the podcast today. This is Brian Del Turco. There is a movement of men today going to, quote, secular sources. I put secular in air quotes because I think many times God's principles are in the secular world. The whole earth is full of his glory is what the Bible says. But men are going to these sources to find encouragement, coaching, and equipping concerning their masculinity. I'm excited about the guest we have today, Bruce Colbert. He sees kingdom principles in some of these sources. And here's the big question. Why is the church at large lagging in helping men to be better men in their families, homes, and the sphere of influence they are assigned to bring good to. Bruce Colbert is all about men reclaiming their power, acquiring wisdom, and generating good. He's the purveyor, the broker, the agent of these Sage for Kings letters that you can receive for free in your inbox weekly. Here's a recent topic, your body, rocket ship or millstone. Seven ways to harness the body for your mission. Here's another one, how to forge an unbreakable life purpose and have a context to solve any problem with these four steps. And if you like steak on a non-styrofoam dish, okay, go to brucecolbert.com. Welcome to episode 271 of Jesus Smart, the podcast. You can see the show notes for links and to take this theme further at jesussmart.com slash 271. If you're hearing this episode uh, immediately as it goes live, give it just a few hours for that page to be uh, uploaded and be available. I do believe I'm convinced and I know I'm going to die this way. I believe that Jesus Christ is our savior. He's also a king who's full of wisdom and knows how our lives work best. And he's passionate. Are you ready about developing you and me as a follower, as an intimate friend? and as co-agents in his kingdom. Thank you for the kind words on this five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's, uh, the review is called Fantastic Deep Conversations on Kingdom Concepts. Uh, they say this podcast brings to light kingdom concepts that need to be discussed by the broader church. Fantastic. Thank you for those sentiments and the kind words. And can I encourage you to subscribe and review wherever you listen to this podcast? John Eldridge, some of you may have heard of him uh, in his book, Wild at Heart, says most of what you encounter when you meet a man is a facade, an elaborate fig leaf, a brilliant disguise. Okay, I'm just going to let those words just stand alone. What Bruce is saying, and I wholeheartedly agree, there is an attack upon God, but also upon the image of God. Think of the serpent in the Garden of Eden, has God said he immediately attacked God, questioning his veracity, his truth, his authenticity. 
And then he began to attack the image of God in the earth. The big question today is, what is a woman, right? Here's another equally vital question. What is a man? Listen, listen to me. I know what estrogen is, okay? I'm married to a beautiful wife. We have four lovely daughters, and I know what it is to surf the estrogen waves. And I know... I see it outside our family, and I see it in our family as our daughters grow and as uh, these dynamics are at play in our family life. I know that a woman who's under God's influence strikes absolute terror into the heart of the snake. But I also know there is an authority and a standing in the power, can I call it, sanctified testosterone. Ed Cole put it this way, when men stand up, The devil sits down. So much rises. There is so much in this thing we call life that rises or falls on the quality of men. And I think it's time to put the spotlight on this. I think that God has assigned Bruce to do this. He's anointed him to do it. And he's emerging uh, in this space as a voice. Let's get right after this. A solid conversation with Bruce Colbert. Hey, friend, welcome to the podcast today. We are in a coffee shop. Welcome, Bruce. Thanks for carving out time to be with us. Bruce Colbert is with us. Thank you, sir. Bruce Colbert. BruceColbert.com is where you want to go to read his um, firebrand uh, letters that are coming out. Uh, Bruce Colbert. Bruce, you have a focus upon men, and you feel maybe that the kingdom offer that is meant to be on the table concerning men is not being modeled or communicated? Uh, what's what's going on with men? We're going to find our flow state here. I'm both hopeful and I am troubled about Christian men right now. And this really, for me, comes out of a rude experience in my own life at the tender age of, I don't know, 47, <laughs> where uh, I just realized I didn't know anything about what it meant to be a man. Um, I sure didn't like the results I was seeing in my life. That's that's for sure. Okay, so this was personal. Yeah, it's personal for sure. I, I think that's usually how God gets us to speak a message, right? Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. I just didn't like the results I was seeing in my life. And, and I could not, could not find in the church, and by the church I mean the local church, Christian books, anything. How can I, how can I be the man that God has called me to be? There's lots of resources out there. I don't mean to be a pragmatist, but uh, most of them did little to nothing for me in terms of taking me to where God wanted me to go. Resources like from the church or from the Christian world? Yeah, exactly. exactly, Now, was this while you were a pastor or was it um, Uh, after? No, this is, um, I, I, I probably halfway into my current day job as director of a nonprofit. So a little more than halfway into that to current time where I just, yeah, I just didn't like the results I was seeing in my life. Now your college education was in Bible and right. Yeah. I had about undergrad in Bible and then a master's degree in organizational development. Your personal experience was that, um, there were some masculine or, you know, some issues related to men that you were dealing with personally. You didn't like the results you were seeing, as you say, yeah. And as you looked around, you were seeing not much help and maybe similar problems with, with yeah. men. So, you know, at the end of the day, I kind of ran into by accident some secular resources on masculinity, on what it means to be a man. And I was desperate enough to say, you know, I'm going to, you know, I think I, I remember buying a, a $9 book off of a Facebook advertisement 
because I was so desperate and so broken. And I was reading this, and, and it's not a book that I would recommend. I'm not even going to say the name of it because I don't really recommend it. But it did open me to a world of secular resources that were out there. And I was like, some of this sounds right. There's something in me that this sounds right. Okay. Okay. Um, and to make a long story short, I was able to look at those resources and then go, you know what? This is not just some guy's idea. This, I think this, a lot of what these guys are saying is God's design for manhood. And then, so I went back to the scriptures to say, you know, is this in the scripture? Yes, it is. And so then the question became, why isn't the church teaching this right. stuff? So what I'm hearing there, these are like kingdom principles, maybe, or kingdom truths that the church is slow to pick up on, but those yeah. outside the church were just through intuition, through instinct, through natural revelation, however you might want to say it, we're, we're picking up on some of these, these truths. And do you feel the church is kind of lagging? I know it's a generalization, but the church is kind of lagging with, with men. And Yeah, absolutely. So I think we were, and I may even wrote about this. So my experience is not unusual. There's a large group of guys in the church who are going to guys like Jocko Willink, Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan. Right. Maybe Jordan Peterson is the close. He's done a lot of things on yeah. scripture. Yeah. But they're not, you know, mo for the most part, they're going to these guys that are not necessarily Christian resources and finding something fundamental what I would call not just kingdom principles, but they're Genesis principles. There, there are things that have been imprinted upon man in the seed form in Genesis. Now how are they finding it? Like, like by common grace or through what yeah. we may call natural revelation or yeah. just they're by observing. instinct, the conscience, they're, yeah. they're coming across it. Yeah. I think general revelation is great. You know, they're observing the world. They're maybe doing a little, uh, doing a, probably a lot more than what I did to say, you know what? This is what seems to work. And what general revelation is meant to do, if I understand right from theology, it's meant to bring us to the point of special revelation, i.e. Yes. the scriptures. You mentioned Genesis and more specifically and even further downstream, Christ himself, mm -hmm. the ultimate revelation in Christ himself from God. So these men are maybe on a continuum, maybe they're early on, and hopefully they can... Um, they can come along, but you're kind of saying that the, if I'm hearing you, Bruce, you're kind of saying that the, the, the tragedy or the, um, the sad part is that um, some of these men are picking up on some of these things where the church is a little slow. Absolutely. So, you know, we have the book of Genesis. As Christians, you know, we have the book of Genesis. We have, we have God making man. He made male and female. Mm. Surely he had a design in that. Surely he had an intention in that. There's something mysterious about it. There's something beautiful about it. There's, but there's something very primal that was put into the DNA of our first father and first mother, what it means to be a man. And clearly, I think even as you read Genesis there, um, being made in God's image is, is a, it's not just, it is what you are, but it comes with, or it's best expressed as a calling okay. to be fruitful, to multiply, subdue, yeah. fill the earth. To me, that's if if you're going to come from a biblical worldview, you got to start there. Okay, and you feel there's an attack on men today. I've heard you say that there's a larger attack on the image of God yeah. in the earth, and, and the attack of men on men is a part of that. It's part of that larger attack yeah. upon the image so, of God. In short, the, the, what that looks like is, as image bearers, we are meant 
to reflect the glory of God. If we have the image of, if we're made in the image of God, we're meant to reflect his glory. Hmm. So if you follow that line of thinking and God tells Adam and Eve, I want you to now fill the earth with other image bearers. I want you to work and shape and subdue as a reflection of who I am. When men and women do that successfully, God's getting the glory, right? So when I started thinking about along those lines, what I see now is the adversary attacking the image in a multitude of ways. You could talk about, you know, killing an image bearer before they get out of the womb. Okay. Abortion. Yeah. But you can also talk about getting men and women. And in this case, men away from what they were designed for. We're getting at it now. So it says in Genesis one, like I think it's 26 to 28, mm-hmm. right in through there that, uh, you know, God's uh, apparently the Trinity speaking, let us make man in our image. He created them male and female in his image. So the image of God placed in the garden was both male and female together, right? Yes. And I've heard uh, people like N.T. Wright say that the idea is a king would set up his own image in some um area of his uh, empire or some territory that he controlled, and it would represent him, his authority. And so man and woman together yes. are to, as like a vice regent, to, yes. to, to represent the authority of the ultimate king and to exercise dominion on his behalf, right? And you're saying that's being attacked. Absolutely. Absolutely. In some ways, we need better metaphors than what we've been using to describe men and women but I think one of the best metaphors is that king and queen metaphor. Okay, okay. So the fundamental or root job of man and woman is to rule, as you said, on God's behalf. And there are, from guys way smarter than me, like J. Richard Middleton, talks about being made in the image as having a distinctly royal flavor. So that second in command. I love that. Second in command, Joseph-like role. Okay. Where there's only one greater than you, right? God. But beneath that, Psalm 8, right? We're not God. We're not God, but we are his vice regent. That's right. We are his image. Yeah. Yeah. So we're second in command under God with his authority now called to this uh, series of verbs that you see in Genesis 1, 27, uh, you know, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over it, over the fish of the sea, etc. So there's these, what I call, um, we, we mirror what God has done. So God shaped the world, right? He built structures in the world and then he filled it with good things of which man was one of them. So man is a, is a microcosm of God's activity. Mm-hmm. Now he goes into creation and he is to shape the world mm. and fill it with good things. So, you know, you can shape the world. You can make a home, Right call a queen to yourself with her agreement, obviously call a queen to yourself. And now you're going <laughs> to, sure. you're going to build a home and now you're going to fill it with good things. Not the least of which would be children, but also resources. Amen. So, yeah, absolutely. And then you have, uh, maybe a, a, a calling in a specific niche or some specific aspect of God's creation that you're, you're called to, to develop and to cultivate and to release its potential, you know, in terms of like work, your kingdom ministry. Absolutely. So whether you're, I think the easiest way to talk about some of that is in in the more physical domain. Uh, But, you know, if you were to take something 
Well, you could use planting a garden, for example. You know, you lay out the parameters of the garden. You shape. You're going to shape that earth. You're going to. You're going to. You're going to augment the dirt. You're going to okay. plant it. You're going to. You're going to cause that garden to multiply. You could do. I, I think another. Uh, illustration I've used is like a workshop like you know you're going to plan out your workshop you're going to put your let's say a wood shop and you're going to you know you're going to acquire tools you're going to lay your tools out and then out of that workshop you're going to produce you're going to shape the things sure. that God has given in this case wood to build useful structures so you're going to upgrade that tree to a box or a chair yeah. or a table like God didn't create a table right he did not. Yeah. Well, there might be a few natural ones, but when you need one for your home, right? So, and that's the calling. I mean, that Jesus man did has. when he was here, but he's, that's right. he's no longer here. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> he created trees, though. Hey, can we pull away for just a moment and then we'll get right back to the balance of this conversation? Are you getting the Kingdom Brew newsletter yet? And if not, may I ask? Why not? It's the only newsletter that um, never gains weight and stays in summer shape all year long. Okay, that's absurd. That's absurd. But I'd really like for you to consider subscribing and being notified when new episodes go live. Plus, we have content in that newsletter that helps us to, uh, we're all seeking to quest and to level up with our Christ following. You can sign up for the e-letter to keep you updated about new things and resourcing from Jesus Smart. What's it all about? It's all about you and me and our world going above and beyond as an apprentice of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. You can check it out at jesussmart.com slash newsletter, jesussmart.com slash newsletter. I love that, that line of thinking. And I think that men are wired for that and called to that. And, and you know, women are too. And Yes. respective spheres. So what does it mean then? Um, what are we missing, Bruce? What does it mean to be a man, biblically speaking, kingdom speaking? Um, I've thought a lot about that question. And and I I believe that fathering is what it means to be a man. Okay. So I don't know if this is where we insert a content caution. I'll, I'll speak obliquely, but man was made to penetrate the world. He's made to penetrate the world. He's made to plant seeds mm-hmm. that are going to produce fruit. And he's also going to protect the development of that seed. Okay. So we could be talking about children, right, in a very real sense. Sure. Or we could be talking about a garden. Or we could be talking about moving to a new land and setting up a home there. You're literally penetrating that land, setting up a home. So men were made to kind of go out to the edge of things, right, outside of themselves go out to the edge, plant things that are going to reproduce and grow. Hmm. He was placed in the garden to keep it, which means to protect, right? Right. So cult, cultivate and keep, I believe, are the verbs. Yeah. yeah. So there's a protective quality there for sure. And cultivation is about taking what God has originally created and releasing its latent potential. Yes. Uh, something, something like that. So planting seeds, penetrating and uh, protecting, you say? Yeah, protecting. Absolutely. So this is probably one of the areas that um, I think gets twisted a lot in a lot of men's work is this idea of protection that, that men, the archetype that I pull from scripture, men are called to be warriors. We, we see that pulled on a lot. I think if, if, 
if Christians have talked about an archetype, it's a warrior archetype. I don't think we've implemented it very well, but um, there's a lot of fear around that archetype because of the abuses of power that we've seen, where we've seen men take power and abuse what they're meant to care for, whether that's women or children yeah. or other people, or to take things that are not theirs. But at the heart of it, it's that protective, you know, if you come against my woman, you know, I'm going to break your neck if I have to. Right. Um, you're not going to hurt her. So how are we doing? Um, I mean, I like to think in kingdom ways. I think the kingdom produced the church. I think the kingdom is meant to be exhibited through the church. The kingdom is larger than the church. Yes. How is the church doing on these edges, Bruce? Are, are we fully offering what God wants us to offer in terms of masculinity and raising up men? For the most part, I think the church is failing wholesale, and that's, that sounds like a pretty big indictment, but let me, let me explain. If, if the design of man is kind of this act to penetrate, to initiate into the world, most of the church structures right now are built around passivity. So the average American male going to, or the average Christian going to church, what are they going to do? Um, the high, what's the highlight of the week? Right, it is Sunday service. Right, mm-hmm. if you ask anybody, what's the highlight of your church week? It's Sunday service. What do men do in a Sunday service? For the most part, they're on their butts in a pew, mm-hmm. passively observing another man feed their family spiritually. Hmm. They are singing. I'm going to step on some, or I step on some ears. Is that is that right here? But we sing a lot of worship songs that are that are very, the majority of the music, I think, and there are exceptions to this, the majority of the music is oriented toward the feminine. So when you sing a song, when heaven meets earth, like in sloppy, wet kiss, I don't know how many guys are like, yeah, that's the kind of thing I'm thinking about when I worship God. <laughs> I mean, that's, I know, I know there's an alternate r- version, and I wrote about this recently, but you know, when heaven meets earth, like an unforeseen kiss, and my heart turns violently inside my chest. Most guys are not, they're not jiving with that kind of language, right? So yeah. it starts out passive. They're sitting in the pew. They're watching another man do something. They're singing feminine songs. And if, if there is something masculine happening in the church, it's very carefully removed from the life of the church it's going to happen i see two expressions right now okay. of masculine things happening in church the first one is the saturday morning men's breakfast you know what i'm talking about right yeah the saturday morning men's breakfast yeah. i mean and i think it's i men should be getting together i love it i love men getting yeah, together I mean, it's been I think a long to, time since i've been the one but yeah. i remember them yeah but the format of that right now is usually hey you guys get to go down in the basement <laughs> you're gonna eat pancakes with fake syrup and a few strips of bacon, <laughs> have some stale coffee, in a styrofoam cup, and you know, a styrofoam cup, uh, and call it a day. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, even even that is like, is that really what we're designed for as men? You know, and I'm all for fellowship, right? I, I, we need fellowship as a man. This the second expression that I see churches doing is where they they actually go out and do some risky things. You know, we're going to go to the shooting range and. We're going to maybe shoot trap or, um, you know, and smoke some meat and throw axes or whatever. But again, that takes place off site, removed from the church. And again, I'm not against men getting away. It's not what I'm saying. But when that's the only expression of anything risky, 
has now been cordoned off away from the life of the church. And that only happens how many times a year? Once, maybe twice a mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. So men go into that experience, they have a great time, but then they come right back to a structure where they're sitting, listening, singing feminine worship songs. And they come back to their own, the cadence and the rhythm of their own life yeah. where they don't really feel... Whether they can articulate it or not, they're not penetrating, they're not really protecting, they're not, they're not doing these primal, masculine, instinctive Absolutely. things that, that make a man's heart come alive. Imagine if we had a church full of men who were trained, ready, and taking action in the world on behalf of Christ. I mean, how different would our churches look? How different would our communities look if we had men who were, like, sent out sure. to do things? Yeah, equipped. Now, you're not saying that a church should not teach because that's obviously a major function right. of New Testament eldership, no, right? Yeah, you're right. Spiritual overseers is teaching. But are you saying that there's a difference between teaching, which creates a dependency? It has the feel of only feeding and caregiving and nurturing, which I think you've said are more feminine characteristics, right? Right than equipping and empowering to go out and do these things you're talking about. Yeah, and I think it's, what what is that teaching designed for? So I think that's the question okay. as you listen to the average. What is it designed for? I mean, what do you see and what should it be? You know, you and I have talked and along with our friends about a lot of, a lot of the church's momentum is designed to kind of create a bigger and bigger on-site church, so a bigger building, more people, more dollars flowing into the church. So a lot of preaching is designed to meet that end goal. Okay, ah, um, yeah, I think you're, I think you're onto something here. One of the critical areas I believe of the church that's hurting men right now is they look at the church institutional, the thing that happens in the building on that location as the center of what's happening, as opposed to the home. Churches have forgotten that mm. the home is God's original institution. You're saying the home should be the primary locus. And a lot of churches have a hard time with that because they're trying to build up this thing over here. So if you got a big, you know, it becomes self, like self-perpetuating or, or a survival or even a thriving mindset, but it's about the institutional church. Yes. Mega or multi-campus or a brand or a ministry or even a man's ministry that that is not conducive to empowering men in their homes and in their respective spheres of, 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 of assignment. You, you got it. I, I mean, you nailed it perfectly, Brian. So, you know, if you're a, we should be equipping men to be fathers, husbands, business owners, men who can then take what they learn and then go out into the community and whatever their sphere of influence is, whether they own a business or have a job working for somebody else, seeking to bear the name of Christ in that context, to be a representative for the kingdom in that context. And, and I'll tell you one of the key ways that I, that I see, if you are a mature, gifted man in a church, what, what happens if you're a mature, gifted man in a church and you have been given a focus by God that is not meant to feed that church institutional machine. Yeah, we see this a lot. You're kind of in no man's land. You're kind of passively, I don't, I don't want to say ignored, but you know, there's not really a place for you any longer. So if you're a man who is penetrating the world, 
I mean, look at 80, 80 to 90 percent of the you go into any church today. 80 to 90 to even greater percentage of the calls to service are be a greeter, be a take a collection plate, go back, work with the children, do something that's inwardly focused in the church. Not 80 to 90 percent of it is that. And what that feeds into, it's it's self-perpetuating, it's building that local institution, right? It's um, It could be a marketing thing. It could be like seeker. We're trying to serve and, and we're trying to get seekers in here, in here, in here, in here. But then if you have men who, you know, DNA, Bruce, is a powerful thing. You can't stop DNA. And if God has put something in a man to do something, it cannot be stopped. And he will either be eternally frustrated. It's just not going to go away. Yeah. I think you're on to something there, Brian. So it's, and that's what we're seeing in a lot of men today is they don't have a place, especially Christian men. So you have two choices. You can either go out and try to go it alone, which we also know does not work, right? If you're going to be the Lone Ranger as a believer, it doesn't work. You weren't designed for that. We were designed for community. Absolutely. So you can either try that, which doesn't work, or you can try to go along with the church, which we've already identified as passive, or you can just kind of shut down. I think what we're seeing and what gives me hope is what you're saying is we can wake some of these guys up. We can wake them up and say, what I'm saying is there's a third option. We continue part two of this dialogue in the coffee shop. It'll be released in just a few days. Can I pray for you right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, we agree together. We ask God that you would reveal to us what you have in mind concerning masculinity and that you would raise sons and men up into their standing, into their consecrated place in you in their spheres and circles of concern and assignment and influence. We thank you for it, Lord. May it be felt by the powers of darkness. May it be felt by our society, godly men rising to their place, developing, going out, doing exploits, pursuing what you've called them to pursue, running together in bands of kingdom brothers. We thank you for it, Lord. May the women they love or will love flourish. May the children they raise or will raise flourish. We thank you for it, Lord. We're excited about it. In Jesus' name, we receive it. Part two coming up. Don't miss it. I think it gets even a little stronger. Remember that Jesus is brilliant and he knows how everything works best, including male and female. We'll catch you next time.